Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM, broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Eno Safo. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. The minority is certain that the action of the military high command relative to the withdrawal of Mr. Speaker's security detail is politically motivated and calculated to diminish his confidence in his bid to impartially and independently steer the affairs of the legislative arm of government. Division in Parliament between the caucuses deepened further with the latest brouhaha surrounding the Speaker's security. The majority side, though, has more fire to pour into the already burning furnace. The Police Protection for Right Honorable A.S.K. Bagman has always been in place. He has four police officers in his known residence. He has three police officers in his secretariat and he has five other policemen in and around the speaker's office block any day, any time. Indeed, none of the previous speakers had half of the police cover as has been accorded Right Honorable Bagman. Also, coming up four days after the National Labor Commission nullified the strike by university teachers, they are still not back to the lecture halls. Tonight we ask, can the NLC bite? And later on Eyewitness News. There is this growing culture within the education sector, especially on the side of the genius and ministry of education, where information is being misinterpreted or being confused with consultation. Consultation is different from information. We Education think tanks take on the Ministry of Education, the Ghana Education Service and Government over the new policies introduced in the basic and senior high school level education. They argue or rather deny that they've been consulted in the processes adopted so far. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... Following the recent hike in fuel prices at the pumps, government is being urged to grow the stabilization fund to cushion Ghanaians from further price hikes. That's in some 15 minutes with Scholastica Netili Neti of the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across the country on a number of affiliate stations, including Tumpani Radio 88.5 FM in Nadoli, the hometown of the Speaker of Parliament, Right Honourable Speaker Bagbin. In the Upper East Region, we are on Rekas, 92.1 FM in Bongo Namo. In the Northern Region, we are on North Star Radio, 92.1 FM in Tamale. In the Northeast Region, this is Nobia FM, 98.1 FM in the regional capital, Nalerugu. In Western Region, we are on Beach, 105.5 FM in Takoradi. And in the Ashanti Region, this is Focus, 94.3 on the campus of the KNUST, where university teachers are still on strike. And in the Volta region, this is Sela Radio 97.1 in Dabala. And on Holy FM 98.5 in the border town of Aflao. Do send us your views using the WhatsApp platform and Telegram platform 0549 996 you can send tweets using the hashtag city newsroom 
tweet at Umarusanda or at City973 and the world will hear what you think. Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the first one is coming from the House of Parliament. As if there's not been enough news coming from that house already. The house is on recess, but there's still uh, some challenges to be dealt with. Um, over the weekend, news emerged that the Speaker's security had been withdrawn. At least the security being provided by the Ghana Armed Forces. The military personnel who were attached to the office of the Speaker were to be withdrawn. We cited a letter dated 11th January 2022, addressed to Right Honourable Alban Sumana Kingsford Bagbin, Speaker of Parliament, Parliament House, and is titled Withdrawal of Military Personnel Attached to the Office of the Right Honourable Speaker of Parliament. The letter reads, The undernamed military personnel were attached to the Office of the Right Honourable Speaker of Parliament without the proper procedure. A. The number has been quoted W01 Jafaru Bunwura. B. W. O. 2. Apugiba Awine David. C. Staff Sergeant Agble Prosper. And D. Sergeant Bonnie Prince. It is humbly requested that the personnel are withdrawn with effect from 14 January 2022 whilst efforts are made to regularize their attachment. Respectfully submitted, please, and signed, Major General Andor. Chief of Staff, the Ghana Armed Forces. Now, after this statement came out, there was brouhaha on social media, especially, and also some traditional media platforms. Subsequent to that, we saw several other leaked documents and official correspondence coming through in relation to this particular matter. Let me bring you another letter that is in circulation, which was dated a year before this particular one, 21st January 2021. It was on the letterhead of the parliamentary service. It's from the clerk to parliament and is addressed to the chief of staff general headquarters, Ghana Armed Forces, Bema Kampakra, DSA, RE, request for attachment of military personnel as security detail of the right honorable speaker of parliament. And the letter says, the speaker of parliament, the right honorable SK Bagbin, presents his compliments to the Chief of Defense of Ghana, of the Ghana Armed Forces, with reference to our, le our letter PCCS 112-20, dated 18 January 2021, in respect of the aforementioned subject. The Speaker has requested that Staff Sergeant Adekura Andrew be replaced with Staff Sergeant Apugiba Awine David of 1BN. The four soldiers, therefore, are 1. W.O. 2. Jafaru Bumura, Staff Sergeant Apugiba Awine David. Staff Sergeant, this one is Sergeant Agble Prosper. And then 4. Corporal Bonnie Prince. And all other details remain unchanged. Please accept the reassurance or assurances of this highest esteem. Yours faithfully, Cyril. K.O. Ancien Clark to Parliament. So these are the official letters that have been circulated uh, over the weekend. And this has got lots of reactions coming through. The minority has spoken. The majority has spoken. Before we hear what the minority and majority have spoken, 626 is in studio to share that with us. 
NO would take us through a statement that was issued by National Security in response to these two issues and the circulation in the media. media. Six to please stand by. NO, please share with us what the National Security Ministry has said. So the Ministry of National Security has taken note of the circulation of a leaked correspondence between the Office of the Chief of Staff of the Ghana Armed Forces and the Speaker of Parliament on social media. Subsequently, the content of the correspondence has been misinterpreted as an attempt by the executive arm of government to deprive the Speaker of the resources required for his full protection. The Ministry of National Security would like to place on record that contrary to the aforesaid misinterpretation, all requisite resources including logistics and personnel required for the full protection of the Speaker have been provided. It is worth noting that for the first time since 2017, the security arrangements for both the Speaker and Members of Parliament have been significantly enhanced. It also needs stating that personnel of the Ghana Armed Forces do not form part of the security detail for the Speaker and Parliament as parliamentary security support is provided by the Ghana Police Service. Any need for specific agency support is typically executed on a need basis in accordance with stated protocols. To reiterate, there has neither been a withdrawal of the security detail for the Speaker nor a reduction in the security strength of Parliament. The good people of Ghana are therefore entreated to disregard any unfounded speculation to this effect. So that's a statement from the Ministry for National Security on the security or the withdrawal of military personnel attached to the office of the Speaker Honorable um, Alban Bagbin. The two sides of the house have taken two different positions. Sixtus Donwolo is our producer on City Eyewitness News and he's in studio. Um, Sixtus, you're welcome. Which of the two groups are you going to tell us about first? Let's start with the statement from the minority signed by its leader, um, the Honorable Haruna Ijusu. Because the one we have from the majority caucus seem to be in direct response to what the Honorable um, Haruna Idriso has signed. So this statement from the Minority Caucus is, is a strong condemnation of the withdrawal of the military component of the Speaker's security detail. And it describes it as shameful, uh, also saying that um, government has not really uh, given the, or spelled out the correct procedure for the attachment of military personnel to high-profile personalities such as the Speaker of Parliament. You would recall in the very first correspondence you wrote from the Chief of Staff of the Army, it says that the four attaches went there without the proper uh, process or following due process. So this is what the minority has to say about that. Curiously, the government fails and or omits to spell out the procedure for the attachment of military personnel to high-profile personalities such as the Speaker of Parliament. And they go on to say that if the action of the military high command is in good faith, the irregularity in relation to the attachment could be rectified without necessarily having to withdraw the personnel. Well, that, that is the position that they have taken on this matter. Now, they take us back into, and, and that also comes back to another correspondence you read from the clerk of parliament. It says that the, the clerk had earlier written to the chief of staff on the matter. And as, that is to suggest that the chief of staff would have known about this deployment and could not have turned around to say that 
uh, indeed, this, there, there's some irregularity with the procedure under which they were deployed or assigned to the uh, speaker's security details. So let me read exactly what the position is. It says that, quote, indeed, they clerked to Parliament on 25th January, 21st January 2021, did write to the Chief of Staff of the Armed Forces and duly requested the attachment of the military personnel in question. At this point, the Chief of Staff did not detect any procedural irregularities in relation to Mr. Speaker's request. However, one year on, the same Chief of Staff, who on behalf of the military High Command, granted the request, now wants Ghanaians to believe that he acted in error in the first instance. The posturing of the Chief of Staff in this regard is to say the least preposterous. Now, they also make a point that um, this is not in isolation. To say to suggest that uh, Speaker Bugwing is not the only one enjoying uh, military protection, maybe in addition to uh, a police detail, and so they don't understand why uh, the only the the the, the speaker's military um, attachment was withdrawn. And again, I want to read exactly what they said on this point. It says that the minorities. States further without any equivocation that the attachment of military personnel to the office of the Speaker is not an isolated incident at all. For instance, members of the executive branch of the government, other than the President and Vice President, who are below the Speaker of Parliament in terms of status and rank, as provided for in the Constitution, have at various times had soldiers attached to their offices. A notable example is the current Attorney General and Minister for Justice, who, even as Deputy Attorney General, had a soldier for his bodyguard. Another example of a state official below the Speaker, in terms of status and rank, who roams down with military protection, is the Chairperson of the Electoral Commission, Madame Jean Mensa. Well, I've just read exactly what is written mm -hmm. in the statement. Mm -hmm. Now, from the flowing from the above, the minority is certain that the action of the military high command relative to the withdrawal of Mr. Speaker's security detail is politically motivated and calculated to diminish his confidence and his bid to impartially and independently steer the affairs of the legislative arm of government. So clearly the minority has taken a position, a position on the, this. which is in support of having the military deployment with the speaker and they do not see anything wrong, and they actually have a challenge with the withdrawal, isn't it? The they case? do that. That's and, a summary and, and of what they say that mm -hmm. they will hold the president personally accountable or liable for uh, should anything happen to the speaker as a result of this particular withdrawal. Okay, so this now, was uh, yesterday. Yes, this was yesterday. Signed by the minority leader, leader Haruna Idrisu. What do we have today from the majority now, side? Today we have... Uh, in direct response, as it would seem, mm -hmm. um, this is also from on the letterhead of the Majority Caucus uh, Parliament of Ghana, um, re-Minority Caucus's statement on withdrawal of soldiers from the Speaker, uh, Speaker's security by the Majority Caucus dated uh, today, 17th um, January 2022. And the first point they make is in direct response to whether or not um, this is an isolated situation, but this they related to Parliament. Is Speaker Bergwin the only speaker having a military attachment to his uh, uh, security detail, mm -hmm. or it is a practice of Parliament? This is what they say about that. In the history of the Fourth Republic, all the speakers have been provided with police protection and not military protection. 
It is only right, Honorable Alban Sumana Bagbing, who made a request to the Minister of Defense for military protection, and the minister bent backwards to accommodate him. This has not been a regular feature in parliamentary security considerations. Number two, the police protection for the Right Honorable ASK Bagwing have always been in place. He has four police officers in his known residence. He has three police officers in his secretariat. And he has five other policemen in and around the Speaker's office block any day, any time. Indeed, are now, they, are this, is, is, is that like the same police people or these are separate persons? This is not defined. So re repeat the figures again. So okay. at his um, residence, his known residence, mm -hmm. uh, there are four of them. Okay. At his secretariat, there are three of them. So That's if you seven. go to uh, uh, Parliament, mm -hmm. the, the Speaker's block, yes. what they call the Speaker's block, there are three policemen That's there. seven. And then uh, five of them... Um, Okay, no. So the block itself has uh, five of them. That's the building mm -hmm. that we see from mm -hmm. the outside. There are five of them around the office block any day, any time. And then the secretariat itself has um, three of them. So these would be persons probably attached to the secretariat itself, not necessarily stationary. Okay. The police protection for Right Honorable ASK Bagwing have always been in place. He has four police officers in his known residence. So four in the house. He has three police officers in his secretariat. Seven. And he has five other policemen in and around the speaker's office block so 12, anytime, any day. Twelve policemen or according police officers. According, according to, to okay. this, yes. Indeed, none of the previous speakers had half of the police cover as has been accorded Right Honorable Bagwing. It must be emphasized for the record that Right Honorable Albang Sumana Kingsford Bagwing has been served with the largest number of security personnel for his protection that none of the previous speakers had. So point number three, in the event, if the military insists on regularizing his security detail, how does that compromise the speaker's security or put him in harm's way as the speaker himself has stated. This is just responding to or questioning mm -hmm. the, 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 the withdrawal and its effects on um, the, the speaker's pe uh, security. Okay. Point number four, the statement from the speaker's office emphasizes that the withdrawal of the military personnel is an attempt to gag Mr. Bagwin. It is difficult to comprehend the meaning of this. Speakers are supposed to be neutral umpires, umpires or referees in Parliament. They are supposed to listen to members in silence and not participate in debates. They make rulings when called upon to do so by members. The rulings must, must conform to the rules of procedure of the House, otherwise referred to as standing orders. In that regard, the speakers lose their persona whilst presiding. Therefore, what voice does the speaker have that is being muted or gagged? That's a question. Okay. Is that the end of the Following from statement? the principle of bending buckles to accommodate the speaker, the Minister for Defense has on occasion availed Casa airplane and helicopters to carry the speaker to his region and home village. Again, when the speaker was invited to Nigeria, the presidential jet was placed at his disposal. These facilities have not been accorded the previous speakers. It does not appear, sorry, it does appear that the Right Honorable Bagwing is unappreciative of these gestures from the state. Number six says that the Speaker of Parliament in terms, in terms of precedence is the 
third gentleman of the land and one expects that when he's exiting the jurisdiction he must inform the presidency ahead of time since the speaker is the person to act as the president in the absence of the president and the vice president in the many travels of the speaker in 2021 he did not find it worthy to inform the office of the president what is the import of that another question number seven on January 7, 2021, in response to an invitation to ensure peace in Parliament, the military entered the grounds of Parliament. The minority caucus subsequently raised issues about the intervention of the military. Whereas they had condemned the military less than two weeks to January 7, 2021 incident, the Speaker instructed the clerk to write to procure the services of the military for him. The paradox is worth noting. Truth is sacrosanct. Right Honorable Bagbing is the only speaker who has invited seven military officers to serve in Parliament. Parliament now has a seven colonel as the marshal of Parliament. This has never happened in Parliament since 1957. Even the opinion of the speaker, the police have some deficiency. Shouldn't all of us work to cure any deficiency so detected? Well, so it, from all of this, it would appear that uh, Mr. Bagbing is, is enjoying is enjoying privileges some that have not been given to previous speakers. never been enjoyed by okay. any speaker thank you thank you so much these are not the words of six Ulo, even though he's uttering them they are the words of the majority side in parliament uh, with uh, Osei Chemen Sabunsu as leader let's speak to the minority chief whip uh, NMP for as was he's been in parliament since 2005 honorable um, um Mohammed Muntaka Mubarak you're welcome to eyewitness news yeah, thank you very much, and good evening to your listeners. Good evening. I just shared with my audience a statement issued by the majority caucus. It's coming after yours, and they seem to be saying that the speaker is not appreciative of what has been given to him, and as if that's not enough, he has actually been uh, forcing strange things to happen in the House, including having, for instance, a serving military officer in the chamber when you, the minority, had opposed the presence of the military in the house again they talk about the minister for defense bending backwards over to accommodate the demands of the speaker you took issue with the withdrawal of the military what do you say to this new new this this new response unless the facts are not accurate well unfortunately, unfortunately that i i am not privy to the statement and uh, unfortunately to have been listening uh, i wasn't listening to your station when uh, all these things happen. So I, I haven't heard the full text. But all I will say is that if it has to do with a marshal and being a military officer, I mean, check for the whole of the Fourth Republic. All our marshals have been retired military officers, including the one that just retired. They've always been military retired officers. Sometimes they are picked as military officers, then they have to resign to be able to serve fully. And if you have a speaker that says that instead of using retired officers, maybe because of the discipline and other things, why not use a sitting military minister? What has that got to do with the speaker? It has to do with the chamber. Because remember, when you come to the uh, parliament, the marshal, in, we call in Ghana, you go to the Congress, they call in there the sergeant at, uh, at arms. They are in charge of the whole security of the president of parliament, including the police personnel that are in Parliament, they report to the marshal. The marshal is the one that is the number one person in charge of the security of the whole place. If Speaker says that we should have a, 
a certain military officer uh, doing that. And I want to believe, you see, this is the way I keep saying that. I, I doubt whether the majority of them knows what he's doing. I don't know why he knows, whether he knows what he's doing. I want to believe that Speaker will not do this as individual. He will have taken them to the Parliamentary Service Board where they discuss and agree. You may have your personal view, but when a board takes a decision, it is not about whether you descended or you dissented or you had a different view. What the majority agrees is what is implemented. And the manager of parliament being a colonel or a sitting military officer, what has that got to do with the, with the speaker? You see, this attempt to explain away this shameful thing that has happened is a challenge. You see, you see uh, Sander, you say that the right procedure has not been followed. For one year, for full one year, the letter was written on the 18th of January 2021. There was a follow-up letter on 21st January 2021. You, you've sent the, the, the military officers. They were there for 12 solid months. All of a sudden, E-Levy comes. Now you wake up from slumber to realize that the right procedures have not been followed. Ask what they've been saying in the corridors of parliament. You who have been entertaining this speaker, who show him where power lies, you have all these kind of comments. Ask how many, if all those who are closer speaker will tell you, the time and time and time again where people call, I mean, concerned citizens of this country, people who do not need anything from Mr. Speaker, who will call to say, Mr. Speaker, please do take care of your security seriously. Do take care of your security seriously. It is those reasons that may speaker and the House to write to the military high command. And if they wrote to them and they released these officers who have been doing so well with Mr. Speaker for one year, no proper procedure has been followed. I want to find out which procedure is it. Was that followed for the electoral commission, chairperson? I've heard you just before I came in that oh, he's the first speaker to have enjoyed this. So far as I know, Afarajan had always used one police officer. Sometimes you don't even see the police officer following him. Is it the same today? You have a number with even a, a military vehicle in the house of the electoral commission. What procedure was used? You have the attorney general. I've never seen any attorney general since I became a member of parliament being followed by a military officer. Governor Dami, even as deputy minister, was being followed by military officers. You have CEOs. You have paramount chiefs. Which procedure was followed? Please, they should spare us with the embarrassment because each time they try to explain, they embarrass all of us. If they're having a general difficulty because the political masters want this and they want to do it, they should find a way of dealing with it. But they shouldn't make explanation that embarrasses all of us because each time they try to explain, you have a lot of loopholes in the in the in the in the explanations. And that is a real difficulty for, for, for all of us. We need to be careful. Look, we are in a democracy and the sub region that is really troubling. Don't create this impression of if you are not with us, you are against us. Currently all I see them do is this posture of you are either with us or against us. And Sander, I bet you that will not help 
Mm. I'm very, very concerned. I've been, look, I saw all my youthful age in this house. I want to see this house progress. I want to see this house better. And the only way this house can be better is when we are able to stand to the executive. And stand that for one solid year, I want to remind all our listeners, check if government have had any of its program or activities voted against in the House. If we disagree on E-Lady, don't let it poison the House to the extent that beyond E-Lady, we cannot even trust each other. Let us think more about our country. But what they are doing, worsen the situation. You remember this morning we were in court with Atom Lawson. That he has authorized a letter, letter of credit. Yes, it's, a, it's an issue we're dealing with on point blank. But the immediate past Speaker of Parliament, Professor Mike Ronokui, has spent a statement in which he said that he wasn't provided with military protection. I don't and think we have stated that. No, you have not. But my, my point yeah. is, if no Speaker in the past has been given soldiers to protect them, why should this current speaker insist on having soldiers? What is because special about threat. him? Because, um, of, because of the threat, because of the threat level. One, coming from a different party rather than the party in the itself poses a threat. Nobody can take this away from Speaker Babin. Nobody can take away from this. And I can bet you, the letter of the 18th January will have told you that look at where his constituency is. We, it's not. I mean, I'm serving the leadership. And the security people do brief us periodically. It's not everything that I will stand in uh, and, and talk about uh, in radio. The area where he comes from, the distance, the, the, the closeness to our neighboring countries that are already having challenges, and each time he's moving, a number of things were taken into consideration. And I don't want to believe, Sander, that you write to the military, and when you don't even deserve it, they will, they will give it. Because they will also do their assessment. And my worry is that if it takes one year for the military that we have in our country to tell us that it is now that they have realized an anomaly, then there's, there's a lot to explain. But has any because, of these threats been reported to the police? Because that would be a basis for believing the story that there are threats. See, that's that's why I'm telling you that. The arms, the the arm of government doesn't operate like with the greater respect, like CTFM. That's why we have sergeant of arms, or we call him, him or her in Ghana. We have never had a female marshal. Marshal. When these things are being discussed, it's discussed together with the the commander of the police protection unit in parliament, uh, the marshal, the the senior officers in parliament. All these things will be discussed before even the letter will be agreed to be written. I can say So let's let's know let's know be playing this we and them in this matter. What they are doing is a bad precedent. It's a terrible precedent. It has the tendency to to threaten the democracy that we have. And we all need to be careful because you cannot use the state resources as if because you are in the executives, you decide, oh, if you are for me or if you do as I wish then you have up to this. If you misbehave or you don't do as I, it pleases me, then I can do it that way. When you do that, you lose the essence of the democracy that we, we are all championing. And remember, this conversation has been there mm -hmm. for 30 years. Very we well. must do everything to safeguard it.
Thank you so much for speaking to us. Um, that's the Minority Chief Whip and MP Faswasi, Honorable Mohammed Muntaka Mubarak. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF and broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Still ahead, a group of teacher unions has issued a statement, and this statement has to do with the government's announcement or the GS announcement on some policies or some new well, plans that they have it has for the education sector at the basic level especially it seems that there wasn't a consensus after all we'll come back we'll hear from this group of teachers plus other stories don't go away eyewitness news be there as it happens you welcome back to eyewitness news on 97.3 ctfm let's hear some or rather read some of the messages you've been sending through eno Right, this is from Jones Adoboy in La, and he's saying that, Good evening, Omaru. Akufuado and his government can decide to withdraw all the security from the country to his house. Alassan Farukiendi says, Sad to hear government has withdrawn the immediate effect, uh, with immediate effect, the military personnel in Speaker Bagbin's team. Was it not the same presidency that assigned those officers to Speaker Bagbin over a year ago? How many years have the soldiers worked with the Speaker? All these are happening because of Bagbin's stand on e-levy and LGBTQ issues. Now, Kadri from Tamale, he's saying, Good evening to your listeners, my brother. Ghanaian security is in trouble under the watch of our so-called um, lawyer president. Do we need minority to tell us the withdrawal of, our f of the four officers is a political move? May God Almighty Allah save Ghana. Send your message to using our WhatsApp and Telegram platform 0549986996. 0549986996. Let's move to the education sector now, shall we? You know. The Ghana Education Service says it consulted stakeholders to enable the rollout of the semester system in basic and senior high schools. Speaking to Bernard Avlay on the City Breakfast Show, the Deputy Director General for Quality and Access at the Ghana Education Service, Dr. Kornatando, said this will help ease pressure on teachers as well as school infrastructure. Form 1, we are not going to place people green and gold. They will all begin on the same day. That brings a bit of certainty to parents, to students. You know, when Form 1s are going to school, we are all going to school. Mm -hmm. However, we are bringing Form 2 Green and Gold together, which means a larger cohort of students. We are bringing Form 3 Green and Gold together, which means a larger cohort of students. So the transitional calendar, what we are doing is that this year, Bernard, your beloved Presec, let's say Presec can take 4,500 at capacity. This year, we, the Form 1s that will come in, we would only enroll one-third of Presex capacity. Next year, we'll enroll one-third. The following year, we'll enroll one-third. We have transitioned to a single-track calendar. Uh, what would the two-thirds who have qualified be doing? They, they will go to other schools. Presex is not the only choice school. You are saying that you are going to reduce the intake of Form 1s in all the schools? We are not going to reduce the intake of Form 1s in all schools. What, are you going to what do? we are going to do is we are going to enroll students based on the school's capacity. Mm -hmm. This is what we are doing. In a three-year period, we want to go back, as promised, to what we have all known as a single-track calendar, where mm -hmm. all Form 1s, mm -hmm. all Form 2s, and all Form 3s can be in schools. From 2017 until now, the government has initiated over mm -hmm. 1,000, actually 1,011 infrastructure, dormitories, okay. classrooms, dining hall facilities, to accommodate and ensure that we come back to single track. As I speak to you now at the end of January, um, at the end of February, um, December 2021, 80% of that infrastructure has been 
completed and handed over to schools. So we, um, the Honorable Minister for Education put together a, a calendar committee. Now in terms of consultation outside of the committee, we met with the full complement of teacher education unions, NAT, NAGRAT, and CCT. The committee met them? The committee met them for consultations. Did they agree? Yes. If they didn't, we wouldn't put out the calendar. Dr. Kwabna Tando is the Deputy Director General for Quality and Access of the Ghana Education Service. And you heard him at the tail end uh, saying that they consulted all the teacher unions and he actually mentions them specifically. Unfortunately for him, they have issued a statement. I'll be sharing that statement with you shortly because it's in sharp contradiction to what he said to Bernard on the City Breakfast Show. Before then though, let's return to Alban Bagbin and speak to uh, Captain Retired Joel So. He was a military person and he has retired. The brouhaha around providing military protection to the speaker and the withdrawal of same. Captain, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. I believe you've been following the news. And um, indeed, we are told it's the first time that soldiers have been sent to guard a speaker of the house. But the withdrawal has become the controversial issue. From what you sit at home watching and remembering how your, your men used to work, is that in order? Yeah, the first place we have to, all of us have to understand certain principles. The first principle is that internal security matters are pres the preserve of the police. The military is responsible for the territorial integrity and protection of the nation. That is the norm. That is the first thing all of us have to understand. And therefore, in internal security matters, the police is the first uh, point of contact. It is only when the police says that, look, this situation, I cannot handle it. And there are clear-cut procedures that the police will have to use where they have to ask the military to come to their aid. Having said that, if you talk about the security of the speaker, the first thing that we have to find out, the last speaker of our parliament, what type of security did he have? I think he had only the police, uh, uh, police men guarding him. I think they were about three. Now, the speaker of parliament today, what how many security policemen has he got as security? I think they are about 11 or so. Now, the military that were protecting him, the question is, was the proper procedure followed for the military to go and guard him? Or certain arrangements were made without due process and if the arrangements were made without due process, then the letter that you are talking about that emanated from the office of the chief of staff. First of all, you must know the chief of staff cannot just get up on his own and write a letter. We have what you call a directed letter, and therefore he might, might have written that letter on our direction. So a person like the speaker According to that letter, you will see that they said the proper procedures were not followed. So they had to be withdrawn for the proper 
procedure to follow. So if the proper procedure is followed, then we don't have any discussion at all. The question that Honorable Muntaka just asked is a question that I'm going to throw uh, to you and see what you, you make of it. If Ghana's okay. armed forces is taking a whole year to determine that four men who have been sent somewhere are there through the wrong means, then there's a problem with the Ghana armed forces, isn't there? No, there is no problem. There is no problem. After one year? If, 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 listen, you see, uh, the way the military we have code of conduct, and if you, if you remember exactly what I, I said, if the military men that were sent to guard or protect the speaker, it was an arrangement that did not conform to the proper procedure. And you remember, when the speaker was elected, there was a brouhaha in parliament. Remember? Do you remember that? I was there that night, sir. Right. So you will re realize that even if somebody uses uh, or somebody use his position to arrange as a matter of emergency to say we need to protect the speaker. So we need some soldiers to protect the speaker. And that was done. Yes, under the circumstances, it's allowed. But now the situation has been normalized. Okay, the final question. Life is no under threat. Final question. If the Ghana Armed Forces says the deployment was not with proper procedure, yes. can any soldier walk out of the barracks and go and protect anybody without an instruction from their commander? Master, Master, you didn't listen to you didn't listen to what I said. I said that when the speaker was being elected as speaker. Yes, I have gotten that, sir. But my point yes, is that so I'm saying that. Yeah, I, I know. I know. So you are saying yeah, might have used his discretion. Okay. Or yes, discretion to say for the because of the emergency, let us send four soldiers. Soldiers cannot all walk to 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 the speakers and say we want to protect you. Of course, they, somebody would have given them instructions to do that. Now, yes, a mistake or whatever has happened, it is being corrected. So no case. Very well. Thank you for Thank speaking you. to us. That's Captain Retired Joe Su. He's a security analyst and re retired soldier. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's return to the issues of education now, uh, where um, Enu just brought us a story, an interview that was granted on the City Breakfast Show today by an official of the Ghana Education Service, Dr. Kwabna Tando. He's Deputy Director General of the GES in charge of quality and access at the GES. And he has explained what kind of... Um, consultations were had before the semesters were introduced instead of what we have currently as trimesters. There's a unions in education letterhead. There's a statement press release titled Reaction of the Unions in Education, NAT, NAGRAT, TEU and CCTGH to the unilateral change from trimester academic calendar to a semester academic calendar. That letter is signed by four persons. Thomas T. Musa, General Secretary, NAT. Then we have King Ali Audu, President, CCTGH. Then Mark, Dench Mark Denchua Crunchy, General Secretary, Teo. It's also signed by Angel Kabonu, President, Nagrat, who has actually joined us on the line. Angel, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Um, I just brought this, played a soundbite 
of what Dr. Tando said on the City Breakfast Show. And he specifically mentions all these groups that I just repeated the names, the unions, and says there was wide consultation before the introduction of these policies. You were saying this did not happen? Well, I, I'm surprised if anyone says that the unions were consulted before we shifted from trimester to semester. The semester program began when the government introduced the double track system. So at that time, our understanding of the introduction of a semester system in a senior high school was to develop a system that can operate very well under the double track system. That was the understanding. Then later COVID came in and the junior high schools were added to the semester system because we needed to make up time. Now the decision is taking that the semester system is going to go down to kindergarten. So it becomes the pre-tertiary school uh, uh, calendar system. So initially, the semester system was brought in to address a problem. Now we are beginning to realize that it has become a permanent policy. Permanent policy, is this from the government? We are hearing from some corridors that it is a cabinet decision. But then we ask, where is the policy document that accompanied the semester system? Because when we are running a semester system and it becomes permanent, and it is not meant to solve any problems such as double drug or COVID, there are implications, very serious implications. And our position is that when the nation is changing from a trimester to a semester, we needed a wider stakeholder consultation and discussion. The implications also have to be negotiated with the unions, and then we take a common decision. All these things have not been done, and we have serious problems with the fact that now we are hearing that the semester system is a permanent feature. What are the challenges with the tri uh, semester system that you, you have? Or what are the challenges you have with the semester system? When you take a semester system, for example, the one that is being run in the tertiary the semester system in the tertiary is based on courses. So when you take one course, one aspect of a course, you complete that course, you put it aside, you move on to take another course. That is why you can go to the university and a third-year student will be doing the same course with a second-year student. A first-year student can even be doing some courses with second-year students because when that, that aspect of that course is the requirement, that has to be satisfied, then you move on to a different program. In the, in, in the pre-tertiary uh, system, it is not a course. It is a program. The program moves from one stage until such a time that a final exam is written. You don't write semester exams in senior high school to do away with courses and programs. You don't do that. Number two, when you take the uh, pre-tertiary child like those in the primary school, and you will keep children and teachers in school for a period. And let us also not forget, 
that with the introduction of the free senior high school, the teaching time period has been changed from 40 minutes per period to one hour per period. So those also have implications because how many periods is the teacher supposed to do? Because if the teacher was doing 40 minutes per period and was supposed to do a minimum of 18 periods, and you make it one hour, what minimum of periods is the teacher supposed to do? When you come to the basic school also, and you change it into the semester uh, uh, system, how many minutes is allotted to a period? When a teacher goes to school at 7 a.m. and the teacher closes at 3, what it means is that you've given the teacher eight hours of work. Now, the time that the teacher takes to prepare, the time that the teacher takes to organize his lesson, have you factored it into his working hours? If it have not been, then the teacher is doing something. Very well. So these are also labor issues that you would be pushing further. So what do you want there the government are, to do? There are, there are labor implications in the shift from trimester to semester. We also have issues to do with instruction, teacher-learner instruction, taking the ages of the children, taking the level of the children, whether a semester system is more uh, beneficial than a, a, a trimester. All these things we all have to say. That. That's why we said wider stakeholder consultation. We are not limiting the consultation only to teacher unions. We are even talking about CSOs in education. We are talking about parents. We are talking about larger society. Because, and even people in academia to look at why, whether trimester in a pre-tertiary environment is conducive for effective teacher learning. Uh, uh, regime. Very well. Thank you so much uh, for your time. Uh, that's Njil Kabonu. Uh, he's president of the NAGRAT. We also heard from the um, Education Watch, Africa Education Watch. Uh, Kofi Asari has also told us that there was no consultation or he was not consulted. Um, this is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. In the education sector, UTAG is on strike, CTAG is on strike. NLC on Thursday delivered a judgment which said that strike was illegal and ordered them to go back to the classroom. They have not, have they, Eno? No, they haven't. And uh, students of the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology have called on the government to expedite processes in resolving the concerns of the University Teachers Association of Ghana. The students fear the academic calendar could be affected if the ongoing strike is prolonged. Both continuing students and freshmen are idling at lecture halls due to the ongoing strike. Some students who spoke to City News want the government to address concerns of the striking lecturers so they can return to school. I am really concerned about the strike because it's going to delay our time to complete um, the, this semester and for that matter this year. You see, they said February, February 16th. It's almost a month, so we're just going to roam about or just sit home or something till February 16th before they, they sit and talk about that matter. There's not a good for us and we are not happy. We're just roaming about, we're just home trying to find something to do with our time before before they come back and call us for lectures. I know now you don't even know where to start because it's a new semester. Is there a way you want to do it so that you can have some syllables to stay oh, ahead of? Our, our course mates or our senior course mates gave us some slides to go through. So you just have to manage with that for the meantime before the lecturers come back. Oh, for me as a student, I don't think it's affecting me. Maybe it'll affect me later, but not now. Why? Why do you say that? 
Um, you see, uh, because of that, our academic calendar would delay, and we have to rush in learning and all those stuff. So what do you want done? So I want the government to pay heed to what the, the, ones, the lecturers want. For me, I didn't have hostel. That's the reason why I came in to find a hostel. And the striker, it's, it's okay because most of us are not prepared. Yeah, so most of us, we don't have hostels the second years. So some of us are now looking for accommodation. So for me, I think for now, <laughs> there should be a strike. So the strike is helping you? Mm, in some way. Maybe what I think is we might not be able to, able to finish for the semester and maybe the lecturers might let us read on our own. Yeah, sometimes you need a lecturer to explain. You heard some students of KNUSD speaking to City News' Ashanti Regional Correspondent Hafiz Tijani about the ongoing strike by UTAG. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News brought to you by Vodafone and powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Natalie Netty. Let's settle for the details. As the price of Brent's crude continues to surge in the international market, hitting $86 per barrel as January 17, 2022, government is being urged to use the extra income it is making from selling Ghana's oil to cushion Ghanaians from the impact of further price hikes. In the 2022 budget, government pegged a barrel of crude oil at a little over $61, but over the past two weeks, Brent's crude oil has moved from about $77 to over $80 per barrel. The current price surge shows that government is making extra income on the sale of Ghana's crude oil. Speaking to City Business News on the recent price hikes, Chairman of the Oil and Gas Sector the Association of Ghana Industries, Kwame Jantua, said government must use this windfall to cushion Ghanaians. In Ghana today, we are heading towards stranded oil fields because we haven't explored in quite some time today. Now, what we are exporting today, even let's say we get it at $85, $90, that means it goes up. That means government is going to have a windfall. When we have that windfall, how should we use that windfall? Can we use part of that windfall to cushion petrol prices? Because at the present moment, we, we, the, the stabilization fund, we've kept it so low that it is neither here nor there for us. If we had allowed the stabilization fund to go at the rate it was supposed to go at, we would have quite a lot of money in the stabilization fund to cushion us. So as prices go up, how do we cushion oil prices? But it's going to have an effect. That was the chairman of the oil and gas sector, the Association of Ghana Industries, Kwame Jantua. Government has been urged to do more through digital means to increase significantly the country's revenue mobilization. This comes despite government achieving its revenue target for 2021. Recent data from the Ghana Revenue Authority indicates that notwithstanding the negative impact of COVID-19 on businesses, the GRE met its revenue target of about 57 billion Ghana cities for 2021. This performance represents a growth rate of 26.3% over the 2020 revenue and is the highest annual growth in the last 10 years. While lauding the GRA for achieving its revenue target for 2021, tax analyst Francis Timor Boy noted that though government has implemented some strategies to ensure tax compliance, more must be done to rope in the informal sector. 
we achieving this 26% year on year means that um, there's the potential we can do more. Um, you realize that the GRA says that in the past 10 years, this growth has not been achieved. The first uh, highest recorded year on year growth was 2015 when we achieved 25.5%, and then in 2017, 25.9%. So this is great. If we are able to look at the other matters which matters most in tax administration i believe that we can do more than what we are having um informal sector is still a nightmare for african countries we are aware it's a challenge over the years they seems not to have the answer uh, meanwhile their economies are about 90 percent informal and so they resort to indirect taxation as the only means of taxing such a complex environment other countries have done it can we formalize the economy and that is why some of us think that we shouldn't do anything that will distract the digitization agenda because digitization is capable of bringing all the informal sector into a place where we can see them and tax them. We are aware that about 15.5 million Ghanaians have been identified. What, do, what are we going to do with that data so that we'll be able to identify the taxpayers? That was a tax analyst, Francis Timor Boy there. International ratings agency Fish has downgraded Ghana's long-term foreign currency issuer default rating IDI to B negative from B with a negative outlook. According to the agency, the move was over concerns that the economy faced increased risk in servicing its debts in the medium to long term and also a reflection of the country's loss of access to international capital markets in the second half of 2021. This, however, follows a COVID-19 pandemic-related surge in government debt. Fitch, in a report, further noted that Ghana's ability to deliver on planned fiscal consolidation efforts could be hindered by the heavier reliance on domestic debt insurance with higher interest costs in the context of an already exceptionally high interest expenditure to revenue ratio. Economist at the University of Ghana Business School, Dr. Patrick Assuming, spoke to City Business News on the development. Our, our debt situation has, has worsened over the last two years or so. And um, even though much of that can be attributed to the COVID, I think the, the main problem has been that the measures, the fiscal reforms that we have to undertake to convince investors over the long, medium to long term that we really have a handle on it. I, I think it hasn't been extremely convincing. So it appears that uh, that's how that's how come features taking the view that to, to downgrade our credit rating. That was an economist at the University of Ghana Business School, Dr. Patrick Isuming. The Vice Dean of the Graduate School at the University of Professional Studies, Accra, Dr. Samuel Injury, is calling on academia to focus more on developing marketable courses that will make students employable after school. Ghana currently has a high graduate unemployment rate, an issue that was highlighted with oversubscription to the just-ended security service application process. Speaking to City Business News, Dr. Entry says although pursuing more job market-friendly courses may not entirely address graduate unemployment, it may significantly improve one's, one's chances of landing a job after school. It behoves on universities to assess programs they offer because, you see, Yes, we have been accusing um, industry and government for not employing graduates. But how do we train them? So if somebody has done four years classical history or four years religious, and the person holds a certificate and application letter, moves from one company to the other, 
one government agency to the other. What are we expecting those companies to employ the person to do? We need to look through all our programs offered and ask ourselves whether the programs we are offering is marketable to meet the demand of industry and government. Look, we should not be afraid to say that these courses, as we speak today, doesn't meet the market demand. Let's change them, look for courses that when we train students in, they can easily get jobs to do. I believe from our part, if you do that, it will help in some way um, to bridge the gap between academia and industry and get these uh, students employed some way or somehow. We are not saying to solve all our unemployment problems, but it is a very good step in solving our unemployment problems. That was the Vice Dean of the University of Professional Studies, Accra, Dr. Samuel Enchi. Ghana's leading life insurance company, Enterprise Life, has assured of product solutions and continuously improved digital services as well as an efficient service delivery in 2022. According to the company, this is in line with efforts to increase insurance penetration in the country. Speaking at the company's 20th anniversary Thanksgiving service in Accra, Senior Manager of Human Resource Jifa Romano Mensa also challenged financial institutions to develop innovative packages in order to rope in more Ghanaians to sign up for insurance policies. Enterprise Life has achieved a great milestone, which is at 20 years. For a company to be in business for that long, we believe that it has to be celebrated. We started the journey last year where we went, we celebrated our clients, without whom we would not have been in business. We also celebrated our staff, and today is where we are having our Thanksgiving to thank God for how far he has brought us. Considering that we have just chalked 20 years, we believe that the years ahead will be much better, much bigger. We are the number one life insurance company in Ghana, and we believe that we want to continue on that tandem and continue giving life insurance solutions to our clients and our partners. That was the Senior Manager Human Resource with Enterprise Life, Jifa Romano Mensa. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was brought to you by Vodafone. Together we can, and powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nettie Linetti. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amade. Tonight on Point Blank, the ambulances that were procured under the Mahama administration or the NDC Mills Mahama administration that have landed a former deputy finance minister in court, Kesela Tufosin. He's a city member of parliament and he suspects it's because of the advocacy in the fight against the campaign against the e-levy that he has been dragged to court over these ambulances. Atoforsin was a deputy minister for finance in the Mahama administration. His colleague in that government, Felix Kwachiofosu, was a deputy minister for communications. That was after the Ministry of Information was uh, joined together with the Ministry of Communication. Tonight on Prime Blank, my guest is Felix Kwachiofosu. He was in court today to support his colleague on the issue of the ambulances. Honorable Kwachiofosu, you're welcome to Point Blank. Thank you, Maru. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, 
You, the, you are looking good power in the Akufado government. Well, I mean, as for the Akufado government, they've been a, a veritable disaster. Oh, how? Uh, I'm not sure that even those who voted for them uh, are happy with the level of incompetence that they are displaying. I mean, only yesterday it came to light that uh, our bonds have become like a plague and the International Investor Committee do not, community does not want to touch with the long pool. Uh, Fitch, the Fitch Waiting Agency, which in the past this government had touted as the be-all and end-all of economic approval, <laughs> downgraded us to B-, minus, and there's talk that we may be downgraded further to CCC, which would be the worst in our history. Uh, this is a government that has saddled us with unsurmountable and uh, unpayable debts. Uh, inflation is running away. It has moved from 8.5% in April last year to 12.6% in December last year. Uh, the city has taken a nosedive. It now sells between 6.4 to 6.5 Ghana cities. Look, everything is in a mess. Mm. There's, Incl there's, a cash, there's a cash crunch. They can't even buy textbooks for basic uh, school pupils. They can't provide accommodation for university students. Lecturers are demanding wage increases that government cannot meet. Uh, there's corruption. President Kufadu has never been interested in fighting corruption. Indeed, he shows criminality, brazen criminality no, no, under his no, government. Look, no, let me give you an example. No, Why? Mm, uh, suspected criminality. The Australia visa scandal. Mm -hmm. It happened. Yes or no? Yes, and the police. Visa scandal is criminality. And the police cleared. The, oh, so it was uh, ghosts who engaged in that criminality. No, the police. No, the, the, it was ghosts. Who, who took no, the ordinary Ghanaians and, and masqueraded them you and I, as journalists? You and I don't have an investigative Umaru, Umaru, department. The police does. What is not police, in doubt? Mm. The police did not say that there was no visa scandal. They yeah. said that one individual who was alleged to have engaged in it was, was not, not the one. Yeah. So, mm. President Kovadi should tell us who did it. As for the fact that there was criminality, it is beyond dispute. The bust moving uh, scandal, the Ajima Menu Vasin scandal. All of these people are working free. President Kufaru has never been interested. He himself is at the helm of this corrupt enterprise. So he cannot possibly be interested in fighting corruption. Let's talk Nobody about... has any confidence in his government anymore. And I'm, I'm sure that the people of Ghana are only waiting to show them the exit come December 2024. So within that context, I don't think there's anybody in this so country just because I, commend, well. I commended you by saying, I see what you are hearing. No, but these are, these are indisputable facts. No I have not said anything that you have proved. You, you tried to go to parliament through Abra Asibu Kwamante. That is true. Correct. That is true. You, you didn't get through to it, but this parliament, if you had gotten there, you would have been working in this parliament. And the chaos is too much. And now the latest one has to do with military detachment or military protection for the speaker and the back and forth. Um, you were once a member of the executive. The executive has, con has control over the armed forces. What do you make of the back and forth? And again, is, we are told that in the past it's never happened. What is clear thing. is that this government has never had a difficulty with members of the armed forces <laughs> providing security for members of any of the three arms of government. At the very least, we know for a fact that the Attorney General, who has become a hatchet man for President Kofado's vendetta against the opposition, is guarded by a military uh, person. There are pictures of it. There's proof. There's incontrovertible evidence of it. So when has this government... He was in court today. Well, he was in court. Yeah, the attorney was in court today. I hear that his bodyguard was in Mufti this time around, perhaps to mask the fact that he's, he's a military uh, officer. But the point I seek to make is that in light of this, how can it be said that this government has any problem with any official in any arm of government being protected by military personnel? In any event... Speaker Bagwin did not walk to the various military barracks 
and select four people to come and guard him. Surely, and given that the military is a highly regimented entity, these military officers would have come to protect the speaker on express instructions from their superiors. So, one year after the fact, this government has suddenly realized that military men were deployed to protect the speaker without recourse to due process and so wants to uh, withdraw them. It is obvious that this is a fallout from the disastrous failure of the e levy in parliament that is only must you one of them. everything to e but that is what it is you see this government they are brazen sometimes they are crude they don't add sophistication to the things they do so it is so obvious they, they show their hands so easily that is not difficult you can close your eyes and still be able to decipher or divine what it is that they are doing so there's no dispute about it even a child knows this everything now is blaming e this government is crude in the things that you do it is so clear it is so obvious even a child knows that, that this has any and everything. Due process of Umar, I'm saying that, let me ask you, I'm saying that, first of all, I have established before you, rather. I have established before you mm -hmm. that this government does not have a problem with military personnel guarding prominent personalities. This government's attorney general, and I believe other public officials, have military personnel guarding them. The attorney general has it. Everybody knows it. He has been seen in the company of that military personnel. So it, is, it puts it beyond debate that this government does not have a problem with military personnel guarding public officials. Number two, Speaker Bagman did not go and handpick people from the various barracks to guard him. But he wrote specifically with names. Yes. Mm. So when he wrote, approval was given. Was not, was it not the case? That's how come they came? Absolutely. And you're telling me that this government did not know about it until only a few weeks ago. They knew about it. But in order to wage a vendetta against Speaker Bagman, who their attack dogs have been set upon following the events that happened during the, the uh, rejection of the E-11. This has been done to embarrass him and put, portray him in negative light. That is all that it is about. It is, it is just an abuse of power. This is just as they are doing in the, in the very hasty prosecution, okay. malicious prosecutions of various NDC and Indeed, many people may not be aware, but since November 26th, when the totally hopeless 2021-22 budget was rejected, over half a dozen NDC MPs have suddenly been paraded before investigative Who committees. and who? There is Dr. Aini, who Dr. Aini is in court? Against whom very is not in court yet, but he's been called before some investigative bod uh, body on a very frivolous matter relating to the Zuarungu market. Zuarungu market. Now what has happened there? Well, they would have to tell us exactly what the issue is. Uh, the MP for Akwetia, who was not a public official, was a private businessman until his entry into parliament, has also been called on some matter. Uh, about half a dozen of our MPs have suddenly come to the attention of investigative bodies Let, in the wake go. of the rejection of the e So it is not too mm. difficult to mm. see exactly what it is. I said that it will fail. Let's talk about the Atul sure. forcing issue. You were a deputy minister for speaking for the government at sure. the time that sure. these issues are. What are the facts according to the ex-NDC government? First of all, let me say that this is one of the most ridiculous iterations of <clears throat> a political witch hunt I have ever seen. You know, there are two things. I'm aware that the matter is before a court of law. And I respect the jurisdiction of the court. So I do not intend to prejudice the outcome in any way, shape, or form. But there are two things involved. The first point is that the Attorney General is a public official. Therefore, his conduct is subject to public scrutiny. 
So when the Attorney General wastes the resources and mandate of the people on frivolity and malicious prosecutions, it is within the rights of the people of Ghana to criticize him. And it is within that context that I speak about this matter. The second point is that this marauding government must be stopped from abusing the prosecutorial powers that they have through the Attorney General to harass and intimidate vocal members of the opposition. That's what you are seeing. The third point is that even though specific individuals have been named, these actors acted within the context of their presence within the government. So statements and claims have been made that seek to portray that government that I served in a negative light. So it is within that context that I exercise the right to correct and clarify these falsehoods before they become calcified in the minds of people. You see, the unfortunate thing is that there's scanty information about this matter in the public domain. So it has given way for a very lopsided, deliberately false narration from the Attorney General's office. Indeed, sometime last week or the other, they selectively leaked one or two documents in order to create some false impressions in the minds of the people. And it's extremely important that we speak to those matters without okay. prejudice to the court case, which will start So some of, some, some of the documents in the public domain mm -hmm. are the one by, authored by your own Minister for Health, Alex Segrefia, challenging or questioning, uh, or rather ordering the stoppage of the payment for these ambulances. What was the role of Atufos in to the best? His of only rule was that he was deputy finance minister. That cannot be. He will not be hauled before the court. Yeah, but that is the only reason why he's hauled. They would have gone for a tech if they needed. But the, the point the, is that the only reason why they've hauled on Atufos is that he was deputy minister, and he wrote a letter based on instructions requesting for the establishment of letters of credit, which is only a guarantee and not a payment. You can speak to any finance expert. That is all. The point also is that even in respect of Honorable Alessegrefia's letter, they create the impression that that is the only letter that Honorable Alessegrefia authored. That is not the case. Honorable Alessegrefia authored the first letter, which they have gratuitously bandaged, uh, 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 brandished. Because at the time, there was a dispute between the entity that supplied the ambulances, called Big C Trading LLC, a Dubai based And I, I implore listeners to google their name and find out them an impression has been created that these are some wayside individuals who were just approached and they brought ambulances to ghana that were not fit for purpose mm -hmm. but this is an established company that is into the business of converting vehicles into ambulances which is what they do for all ambulances around the world okay the second point also is that at the time that honorable Lesegrefia wrote his 10th august 2015 letter which the ag's office has mischievously leaked we do, know, we, we do not but know. That is the only place I could have come from. Well, I am. I am yeah, certain in my mind. Maybe it's not. I am certain in my mind. But, my point that is not but the point the is that so because of that dispute between Big C Limited and their local representative Japa, Japa had business. Japa had business sued Big C. The matter was resolved by a high court in favor of Japa. So at the time that Honorable Sebefia was writing, he was writing to ask the finance ministry to suspend all further payments. Pending the resolution of the dispute, that dispute was resolved. One year after that, Honorable Alessandro wrote again on 14 December 2016, indicating that letters of credit should be established for 170 remaining ambulances to be brought in because, in his words, 30 of the ambulances with all their accessories have already been supplied to the ministry. 
why did the AG hide this particular letter? So it gave the impression that this is the only letter Honorable Elizabeth wrote was the to one ask for the suspension, which was even because of the court case that was pending. So in this letter, he has given clearance. Absolute clearance. For, because for, indeed, the, for the deal to continue. Because at the time that we were leaving office, mm -hmm. there was no quarrel between us and Big C. Because the matters that had been raised in respect of some defects with the vehicles that had been brought in, brought in had been resolved to the extent that firm commitments had been extracted from Big C to mm -hmm. correct it. Okay. And indeed, I, 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 let me, let me uh, also put this across. The first question that one needs to ask is that how can anybody talk about a loss when you have paid for items that have been delivered? As I speak to you, there are 30 ambulances packed at the Air Force Base. If this government knows that... Here it, in Ghana. Yes, here in Ghana. If this government knows that it is not peddling falsehood, it should grant you access to the Air Force Base to film those ambulances and huh? see whether they are not almost like what Howard Kumsin brought in recently. Ambulances or trotters? Um, they are not tr Listen, first of all, yet another falsehood is that we just went for trotters. Look, look. They brought empty buses. Umaru, there's no company that manufactures ambulances from scratch. Mercedes-Benz, they don't manufacture ambulances. What they do is that they manufacture a base vehicle. Which is then converted by another company into an ambulance. That is what Howard Kumsin brought in. What Howard Kumsin brought were not ambulances manufactured by Mercedes. Mercedes manufactured the base vehicle, and that company did the conversion. Indeed, if you read the contract, the agreement signed between the government of Ghana and Big C, dated 19 December 2012, that is exactly what we asked them to do. They said they were going to bring us a base vehicle, which was a Mercedes Benz 309. Mm. They will convert it and then fit accessories into them. Indeed, they brought vehicles of a higher spec than we actually requested for, at no extra cost to us. They converted them. They shipped a container load of accessories, which has been here for five years and has not been cleared by this government. And indeed, they also offered... When did that shipment come? That shipment was done in the last quarter of 2016, when we were just about to leave office. Yes, but so if you've had your vehicles that you, you so much wanted, and they've but been Umaru, since 2016, why Umaru, don't you put them on, Umaru, the, on the road? Umaru, until the accessories have been fitted into the ambulance and handed over and personnel trained to handle it, we cannot say that BC has officially handed it over to us. So but it has been five long years. In between that period, Big C offered, indeed, there's also there are two letters that i need to highlight mm -hmm. there's one dated 25th april 2018 in which big c requested for a meeting with honorable ajimamian health minister and his team to iron out any differences that may exist and indeed that was in compliance with clause 11 of the agreement that we entered which said that if there was a dispute and indeed this is only a dispute between parties i have ordered items they have come i'm saying that it is not fit for purpose you are saying it is fit for purpose okay so let us meet agree and then if indeed it is not fit for purpose, I correct it. That is what the contract stipulated. So Big C invoked this clause in the letter dated 25th April 2018, four years ago. In answer to this, the health ministry actually met Big C on 13 July 2018. This current health, this current health minister. They agreed that they will both appoint a neutral technical expert to evaluate the buses. Big C undertook that if they did the evaluation and there were defects, they will correct them. This government then agreed that, pursuant to that, they would then establish LCs for the remaining 170 to be brought in. This letter was received on the 15th of August 2018 by the Minister of Finance, Minister of Health. After that, they didn't contact BC again. It's been four long years, and the buses, the ambulances are rotting away at the Air Force Base. How many? 
30 of them. So you, you your government brought in 30? Because we paid for okay. 30. The, the issue against ATO is that there's wastage. I mean, the waste, the, waste? the issue of, the waste? Waste, First of all, causing financial loss. Explain the waste to me. You pay for items, the person delivers, and you say there's waste. What yes, waste? Yes, because what, waste? what you asked for was not bought. No, you asked I, for ambulances, and you just explained now that, that, that they were but they brought ambulances. They brought in bits no, and pieces. No. They brought a bus and they'll be bringing accessories. Yes, to but that later. is how it is done. So that's First why all, we, we no. ordinarily would say it's no. not fit for purpose. Because how the is it not fit? Is a Listen, vehicle, doesn't make the buses, the ambulances that Howard Commission brought are made up of a Mercedes-Benz base vehicle, which has been converted into an ambulance. That's what is done worldwide. It was that agreement that we signed with Big C that I hold here. Another issue is that... Wait, let me answer this question. Mm-hmm. They brought the buses that they had converted. They shipped accessories. Pursuant to that, they had to bring technical men to fit the accessories into the bus and hand it over to you and train your drivers and other personnel. Then, after that, you can say that they've handed over to you officially. You have created conditions that it is impossible for them to come and do this. And you are talking about a loss. In any event, uh, Umaru, this is basic contract law. I have had to do, I have done contract law as part of my studies in oil and gas economics. Mm. When you enter into a contract with somebody, your relationship is defined by that contract. This contract provides that if at any point there's a dispute among the parties, the first thing you do is that you call for negotiation to iron out the dispute. If the negotiation fails, this contract stipulates in clause 11.1, in the event that no settlement is arrived at, the dispute shall be substituted to the Ghana Arbitration Center for arbitration in accordance with the Alternate Dispute Resolution Act 2010, Act 798, or any statutory modifications thereof. The question that, Umaru, I expect you to put to the Attorney General and this government is that have they, have they followed the provisions of this agreement? Have they as asserted our rights under this dispute resolution clause? Okay. Have they requested for a meeting with Big C? And if that meeting failed, have they followed up to go for arbitration so that if they claim that the buses are not fit for or the ambulances are not fit for purpose, we win an arbitral award that will help us recoup any money that we pay to BC. You have not done that. You've not exhausted the avenues that the contract that we've entered into that binds you provides. And yet you are talking about loss. The last question is what was the authority that Arthur Forsen relied on? We are told that he acted without the appropriate That is false. There are several levels of authority. The first thing you need is cabinet approval, which was obtained under the Mills administration. After that, the AG's advice was sought. At the time, the AG in office was Martin Amidu. I have the, his letter here. He approved it. It went to Parliament, which was approved. I have the parliamentary letter communicating the approval. It went to PPA. PPA approved it. I have the PPA's approval. After this, the agreement was entered into, and then you execute. When there were challenges and the Ministry of Health had doubts whether it should pay BC or not, they sought advice from the AG. I have that letter here. The AG was clear, unambiguous, that if we did not do what BC was asking and they went to court, they would win. We will be challenged to mount a defense. So any payment that was made was made on the advice of the Attorney General, which is binding. The Attorney General's opinion is binding on all government officials. Again, let me ask you a simple question. You see the rate that... Uh, Mrs. Sorry, Yvonne Atakrao Bobisa, Director of Public Prosecutions, issued the the the, the uh, what do you call it State charge sheet mm-hmm. that he put out in the public domain. When he signed, sorry, when she signed, 
It is signed this way. Let me read it. Yvonne Atakra Obobisa, Director of Public Prosecutions for Attorney General. What does that mean? Is they're taking the attorney power of attorney from the attorney general. Good. I'm going to read you the letter on our two forcing votes. We make reference to the supply agreement between the government of the Republic of Ghana acting to the Ministry of Health and Big City LC for the supply of 200 Mercedes Benz ambulance and related services. The Ministry of Finance is urgently requesting you to establish letters of credit. And I've stressed that letters of credit does not constitute payment. It's only a guarantee that if the people perform, you will pay. While arrangements are being made to prefer the sign or sign a loan agreement, the LC should be established in favor of Big C, blah, blah, blah. Honorable Council Atufos, MP, Deputy Minister for Finance, four minister. When you finish, you copy the Minister of Health, Minister of Finance, Deputy Minister, and everybody who has to be copied. So when the AG tells you that there was no authorization, it is blatantly false. Okay. All yeah. levels of authorization okay. were sought. Before you leave, a lawyer has sent me a message saying, crime is crime. Arbitration does not come in. We are talking but about crime. First of all, that lawyer, which lawyer is this? Is that we are talking about crime? And but first of all, which crime, which crime is he talking about? What crime has come No, the moment the person has been prosecuted under the... But I'm saying that, first of all, that's if he's crime. a lawyer, I'm mm -hmm. not a lawyer, mm -hmm. but his logic is, def uh, is, is defective. Mm. What Somebody, you've ordered items... Which transaction is governed by a contract that you've signed? The contract says that if there is a dispute, in other words, if you have any disagreement with the other party, this is how you resolve it. The person brings the items. You say that the items are not fit for purpose. The fact that the items are not fit for purpose does not constitute a crime. And I'm challenging that lawyer to show me any precedence okay. or the logic that informs this defensive thinking that he's put out. Okay. No problem. Now, you don't, you don't assert your rights contained in the agreement you do not take steps to ensure that the person is notified to correct the defects but you say that the, simply because somebody paid for the items we brought in he has caused loss when those items are sitting under your custody at the military base Very so well. this lawyer clearly is doubling in propaganda just like that in general thank you so much uh, for your time Felix Quattro Fosu former deputy minister for communication that will be it for eyewitness news tonight my name is Umaru Sanda Amadou Production by Sixtus Don Ulo, Beverly London, and uh, Zoe Abu Beidou Ado. Technical support from Okla Danso. Eyewitness News will be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. And Sixtus will be in the court tomorrow to bring us what happens in this particular case uh, against Kezala Tufosin. Thank you for listening. Stay with us. Bye-bye. City News, we speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-976-732 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and Twitter at City 973.